how are you ladies doing this morning? I hope you're all doing wonderful. Welcome to the Dr. Daff Show. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Daff, and I am so excited that you're here today to talk about something really important, a little bit touchy for those of you who maybe have never explored this side of a woman's emotional needs and sexuality. As a woman in this world, we are so occupied and preoccupied with the needs of other people. And that's a good thing. Attaining your own identity is also important though. And understanding the way that God made you and what you need is just as important. And oftentimes our emotional needs and our sexual needs are not addressed because we haven't explored what we actually need. And a lot of us don't know the truth about ourselves as women. We don't really know how God made us, how God designed us to operate. So we may have needs and wants and desires that we may think are outrageous or we think are just subject to us, like we think it's our own thing, when really it's something God gave us. So I'm excited to talk about this and I hope you're excited to listen. Go ahead and sit back, relax, get something to drink, get your favorite pen to write with, take some notes and let's talk about this. So as you know, we are continuing in our book, Understanding the Purpose and Power of Women by Dr. Miles Monroe. And this chapter talks about understanding the woman's emotional needs and sexuality. And it also talks about the man's needs as well. So you're going to get a little bit of balance there. Did you know that a woman has twice as many nerve endings in her skin as a man does? Twice as many. And I have to point this out because this culture, this society is really getting dangerous in the fact, and when I say this society, I'm talking about America, but it's happening all over the world as well. But we're getting really dangerous in the sense that we are trying to make it appear that men and women are the same. That if you feel like a woman, then you're a woman. And we all know inherently that that is not true. And that's why people who struggle with this internally have a lot of confusion and turmoil inside because yes, maybe they feel things that are unique, but it doesn't mean that God made them a woman because God made men and women differently. And it's not just about how you feel, but it's also about how he constructed our bodies. And one cannot be swapped out for another because the way our bodies behave impacts the way we think, the way we behave. So they're all connected. You can't just take one and leave the other. The fact that God gave women twice as many nerves in our skin makes us different than a man because those nerves in your skin are going to affect the way you feel the way that you behave and how intensely you feel about something, right? If I have twice as many nerves in my arm as a man has, then when someone touches my arm, I'm going to feel it more intensely. And so we are going to have different reactions to someone brushing up against our shoulder, right? Just because we feel it more intensely. So Because a woman's nerves are more numerous, they're also more susceptible to being strained. Her skin is almost literally wired to receive a loving husband's touches of affection to soothe her frayed nerves and calm her emotions. This physiological fact highlights the theme for this chapter. A woman's emotional and sexual needs are different from a man by design. I want the idea of God's purpose and design to permeate your thinking about the relationship between females and males, because it is such a fundamental principle and it has so many applications and it's crucial to understanding the differences between them. Here are some of the major differences between men and women. Women tend to take things to heart. Men tend to take things impersonally. 
In material things, women tend to look at the goals. Men want to know how to get there. In spiritual or intangible things, the opposite is true. Men look at the goals, whereas women want to know how to get there. Women are like computers. Their minds keep processing in the background until a problem is solved. Men are like filing cabinets. They take problems, put them in the file, and close the drawer. A woman's home is an extension of her personality. A man's job is an extension of his personality. Women have a great need for security and roots. Men can be nomadic. Women tend to be guilt-prone and men tend to be resentful. Women are constantly changing. Men level off and stay the same. Women tend to become involved with things more easily and more quickly. Men tend to stand back and evaluate. Considering these differences, in addition to the others that we've discussed throughout the book, we shouldn't wonder why men and women have misunderstandings and conflicts in their relationships. I remember listening to a song a long time ago by the artist Janae Aiko. In the song, she said, shame on me for changing and shame on you for staying the same. And I thought it was a very powerful verse because it was deep. In that relationship, she was saying, shame on me for changing because you as a man expected me to stay the same. Whereas women, we change. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly changing and growing. And shame on you for staying the same. Shame on you for not trying to evolve, not trying to change, not trying to get better. And that is exactly the way that we were designed. So in both aspects, both parties tend to be disappointed, right? Because we're made differently. The problem is that many people are not fully aware of their own needs, let alone the needs of others. Over the past 20 years, I have been counseling couples and the greatest problem I have seen is that husbands and wives don't know what the needs of their spouses are and don't know that they are different than their own. So I want to ask you, do you know what you need as a woman? Do you know what you need from your husband, from your boyfriend? What does your husband need? Do you know what he needs? For example, we all know that men need sex. They need it. It's not even a question. If they don't have it, you will see how they will start to behave. Do you know in your personal marriage how long your husband can go without it? Are you able to say, okay, uh, it's been five days. He's probably going to start, you know, touch it on me or whatever the case, whatever he does. Or is it something that you don't even factor into your life? You don't even notice or care, or you've never taken the time to notice a pattern. How long can your husband go before he starts to get frustrated and starts acting out? Women and men must understand that fulfillment can come only when we work together to address one another's needs. In this endeavor, Jesus' great principle, it is more blessed to give than to receive, Acts 20.35, is vital. As you give, meeting the needs of others, you will be blessed and many of your own needs will be met in turn. Giving to others by satisfying their needs not demanding to have your own needs satisfied will bring true fulfillment. And in this society, in this culture, we are told that it's all about us. And oh, this one hurts because I've heard this a lot when it comes to people in marriages that they end up getting divorced or they end up having infidelities because they say that their needs are not being met by their husband. And the reason why it's so scary is that the truth is when you're married, it's not about you. And I think if more people realize that, they would be a little bit more careful about who they say yes to marrying. Because once you understand that it's not about you, that yes, you should, I mean, you should, hopefully have a husband who loves you and cares for you and treats you well 
and meets your needs, but it's a service. It's a ministry. It's it's you being there to nurture your family, nurture your husband. And we all desire to be treated well and to have everything we want. But the reality is your focus should be about meeting his needs more so than meeting your own needs. And this is maturity. This is not for little girls. This is maturity. For you to get to the point where you can understand this and you can implement this. But when you do, God will favor you. He will be with you. He will help you. He will empower you and he will bless you. Because as the scripture says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this is the word of God, the one who made you. He's telling you, this is a fact. This is not an opinion. It is more blessed for you to actually give than for you to get. So those blessings that you're going to receive, you may not be able to stand back and say, I got flowers, I got chocolate, I got a car, I got diamonds. You may not be able to say that, but God is going to bless you and you will see if you are willing to do it. And it's not easy. Oh, it is so not easy. But once you realize you're doing it for God, it does become a little bit easier because he will help you. He will be with you and strengthen you. Please keep in mind that the needs that are listed as female needs and the needs that are listed as male needs are also the needs of both. However, in this chapter, they will be discussed in the context of the primary needs of each. If we can learn and apply the following principles, we will go a long way to healing broken lives, promoting an understanding, and developing strong relationships between men and women. So just know we both need these things. Men need certain ones more or first, and women need certain things more or first. The primary need for the female man is love. We have learned that the woman was designed to receive love. This truth is so central to a woman's emotional needs that if it is the only one that men learn and apply, it will make a vast difference in women's lives and consequently in their own. A woman doesn't just want love. She truly needs it by design. This is why a man can give her a house and expensive gifts and she will still not feel satisfied. The man will say, what's wrong with you? I can't do anything to please you. I'm giving you all these things and you're still unhappy? And she'll answer, it's not this mink coat or this house that I really want. I want you. I want you to tell me I'm important and I'm special and I'm unique to you and that I'm everything you've been dreaming of. I want you to tell me that you love me. Even though this culture promotes things as love, As a woman, those things are never enough. They're never enough. And you can look online and you can look on Instagram and you can see all the women bragging about things. And maybe the man is never there. Maybe the man is not even their husband. Maybe the man has multiple children with multiple women and gives them things. But those women, I guarantee you, would rather have the man there at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, on Valentine's Day, every day, really, as many days, (laughs) than to just get a few gifts here and there, some money here and there. Of course, money, gifts, all that stuff is great, feels good to receive, but you still don't feel loved if the person isn't spending time with you and giving you those words backed up with actions that they actually do love and want you more than every other woman in the world. It's never enough. And you can lie to yourself and say that at least you have this and at least you have that. It's never enough. We want love. You can't replace love. To love means to cherish, to care for, and to show affection. Cherishing a woman doesn't mean buying her expensive presents. It means calling her several times a day and telling her that you love her. And you can listen to my podcast about 
how to get your husband to cherish you. That's a very important podcast. If you have not listened to it, I would recommend that after this, that's the next one you listen to because these things are necessary for you to know and learn. And I'm actually just so happy that you're here and willing to hear this information because in order for you to have wisdom in life, you need to first have knowledge. You need the knowledge to apply it. And that is what wisdom means. So once you have the knowledge, once you're able to humble yourself and say, I know I don't know everything, (laughs) or sometimes I feel like I do know everything, but I wonder if there's things I don't know. I'm willing to listen. That's great. Like you're really positioning yourself for success in every way when you do that. And it's not always easy to hear things that you don't want to hear. But that's the only way you can figure out what's working and what's not working. So I'm really proud of every single one of you for even wanting to hear this information and figure out how you can make this happen for your life. A man can also meet a woman's need for love by providing her with financial security. This will make her feel cared for and protected. In addition, when a man spends time with a woman, it makes her feel loved because she knows that she comes first in his life. Balancing financial provision and quality time with his wife often creates the greatest challenge for a man because providing for his wife usually requires that he's away from her while he's at his workplace. However, when a man spends many hours overtime at his job trying to get ahead but neglects his wife and family, she will not feel loved, even though they may have millions of dollars in the bank. I read um, a book recently and the woman was talking about how her husband would come home every day and because he is so tired, understandably, and just needs to decompress, he would just come in the house. He wouldn't really want to talk to her or the kids. And he was just sitting in front of the TV and eat and decompress. And yes, I mean, that's understandable. After you come home as a man, men are still processing the day. They're still processing everything. They're thinking that they're easing back in. And a lot of times men are solving problems constantly and they need something like TV, sports, you know, to feel a small win, right? They're watching the news and they're looking at problems that are not their problems that other people have to solve. And they're watching sports and they're feeling like they're part of the team. And when the team wins, it gives them that victory. So it's kind of like these these apps in the background that are running. And then once that's done, they can submerge themselves into their reality. But the problem is, Even though that's normal and that's acceptable, some men do this for too long. They're not able to put boundaries on that and say, okay, I've I've watched TV for an hour now. I haven't played with my kids. They're about to go to sleep. I haven't asked my wife how her day is. They're not prioritizing their family time. And that's a big problem. And in the book, she was saying that her children... Now, even though they appreciate the private school, the nice clothes, all the great things, but now that they're adults, all they remember is their dad being in front of the TV. All they remember is looking up and seeing their dad looking at a screen. And as children, as ba- especially as babies, but children too, when you're born into this world, you're not expecting your caregivers to have their faces staring at a screen, whether that's the screen from their phone or the screen from their computer or their TV. And in this culture, in this society, that's what most of us, I do it too sometimes, that's what most of us are doing. We're always looking at a screen and your child is looking at you looking at a screen versus you talking to them, you interacting with them. And in their mind, they don't know a baby. Like I have, a, I have a baby. So my baby doesn't know why I'm staring at this thing all the time. Why am I always staring at this thing? It's an object. 
in their mind, they don't know what's going on in the, behind the screen, right? And so they start to feel like whatever is happening here is more important than me. And that's how they remember you. You don't want your children. And even though this is for men, this also applies to women because this is a culture now. Maybe when this book was written, it was just men staring at TVs. Now it's all of us staring at things and preoccupied with other things versus our children and our family. So remember that they will remember you like that. They will remember you as someone who is always on their phone, always on their, always on some game or whatever it is that you do. In your mind, you also know the people that are always on their phone. You know the people when you go to lunch with them, you can expect that they're going to be all, always on their phone. It is one of the most annoying things. So it can become a habit very quickly if it's not watched. But for men, because they work really hard, because they feel like what they're doing is what is holding up the family, they have a right to do that and they do have a right to do that. But unfortunately, it becomes a crutch and it becomes a habit that destroys the way that their children see them and it wastes all the time that they have with their family. And now they're old and retired or whatever, and the kids don't want to spend time with them. Kids don't even know them. No one knows them. And that's really sad. So just understanding that for men, this this message really is towards men. And this book actually is written for men and women. So this book, some of the, some of what you're going to hear is going to be to a man to understand a woman. So this is really for a man to understand how his behavior with the TV affects the people in his household. But it also is important for you to know that when you're dating a man who is very wealthy, who has a very intense job, maybe he's a celebrity, maybe he's a professional athlete, maybe he's a CEO, CFO, or whatever, just a business owner, or just a very busy man. Just know that him giving you money is not enough. That's not enough. As a provider, providing money is part of it. Providing availability, love is also part of it. He doesn't get a free ticket just because he pays all the bills. (laughs) That's not what makes him valuable. And so... And this is another conversation we can have another time. He needs to also know that from you, that that's not the only thing he's good for. A man needs respect. Because a female's primary need is for love, She often thinks that the male's primary need is for love also. He does need love, but he has a need that is even greater than that. If a female expresses love to a male without fulfilling this other need, then he might not respond in the way that she expects him to. He might remain somewhat distant. So a woman may wonder why her husband doesn't seem satisfied in the relationship. She's been loving him, cleaning the house, looking cute, all the things. And she's like, what's up with him? Like, why doesn't he seem passionate about me? Why doesn't he seem like he's into me? What's missing? Like, what am I not doing? And listen, he is grateful for those things. Like he's grateful the house is clean and it smells good and the food's cooking on the stove and you look pretty. All those things are fine and dandy, but it's not going to meet his deepest internal, like primal instinctive need that God put inside of him, which is that need to be respected. As much as a woman needs to feel that she's loved, a man needs to know that he is respected. Being respected is at the core of his self-esteem and it affects every other area of his life. Each of you, husbands, also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Ephesians 5.33 A woman can meet a man's need for admiration and respect by understanding his value and achievements 
more than anyone else. So that's the answer to your question. If you were wondering, like, what can I do then? What can I do to show him respect? Because you hear the word respect thrown around a lot. And sometimes it's like, what does that mean? Do I bow down and kiss his feet? Do I just allow him to say whatever he wants and not respond? Like, what does that mean to respect him? And it's funny because if you flip it around the other way, like, how do I disrespect him? A lot of women will say that there are certain men that they don't respect, <laughs> like straight up, that they do not respect. And unfortunately, sometimes it's within their marriage. Like, they'll say, look, I don't respect my husband. I don't respect him because he's lazy or he's a criminal or he doesn't have a job or whatever. Like, people will just straight up say, yeah, I don't respect him. And it shows up in their behavior, how they talk to him, how they regard him, just like how they see him in their mind. So if you flip it the other way, how to respect your husband, it's it's a flip. It's the complete opposite of that. How do you regard him in your mind? How do you see him? Do you put him on a pedestal? Do you put him in high regard? Do you see him as someone who deserves for you to dote on? And it's telling you here in the book that understanding his value and his achievements more than anyone else is how you show him respect. So you as a wife need to remind him of his capabilities and help him to maintain his self-confidence because men go through so many things that they don't talk about on their day-to-day -day, you know, job and their life and your job as his wife is to help him to just maintain like, babe, you got this. You can do this. Like, oh my gosh, I know you are so, so strong. Like, you got this. Or if he's done something already in the past, like he's already ran that marathon and he completed it. You're like, but you ran the marathon last year. He's like, yeah, but I know when I'm older, I'm slower. It's, no, but you got this. Like, you're going to pull the energy from somewhere. Like, I know you can do this. Just reminding him. And allowing him to pull from your confidence. So you're just helping him to maintain who he already is. And you're also making sure that you value him and his role and the things that he has done more than other people. It is sad when other people recognize your husband's strengths before you do, or they acknowledge it to him and you never have. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for another person, especially another woman, to recognize something in your husband and say it to him and you have never, ever acknowledged it or complimented it before because you didn't value it. That's embarrassing. So if anything else, whenever he hears something else, it's like, yeah, he, he's heard it from you a million times. He knows that. <laughs> and it's so funny because, you know, men are so interesting and they're, you know, at their core, they're so childlike and sweet in a way where sometimes you'll be saying these things and it just seems like he doesn't care and just going over his head, but he's really like keeping that. He's keeping that. And if he's humble, he's probably not going to say anything, right? Maybe he'll say thank you, but he probably won't like gloat in it, right? But I remember like when my son was born and still to this day, my husband is the best at putting him to sleep. For some reason or another, I don't know why, when my son is just bouncing off the walls and I'm trying and trying, I just say, you know what, I, I have to just surrender and say, babe, I need help because he's not going to sleep. And my husband will give him to sleep in like 10 minutes. And I'm like, I always ask, how did you do that? And I have, since he was born, I have always told him like, you're really good at putting him to sleep for some reason. And now he walks around like, I'm the best at putting him to sleep. I, give him to me. I'm the best at putting him to sleep. Like he is so confident in his ability to get my son to relax and fall asleep. And it's a beautiful thing seeing his confidence being built, you know, by helping him build it up, by mentioning it to him and, you know, commending him on it. And so it's not like, you know, I'm telling him, oh, Thank you so much for being a great husband and putting your son to sleep. I mean, that's fine. But he may turn around and say, that's my job. I'm his dad. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's not a, you don't need to say thank you for me doing my job as a father. But it's more about picking up on some of the smaller things that 
he may not recognize or other people may not see it as a big deal, but it is a big deal to be able to put a baby to sleep when they refuse to sleep. So, you know, you have to let your own husband be your own case study. That's your job is to study the person you're with and find out the things that you maybe don't pay enough attention to that can help him to maintain his confidence in different areas of his life. So as a wife, you should be proud of your husband, not out of duty, but out of an expression of sincere admiration for the man that you have chosen to share your life with. And I want to ask you, do you find it difficult sometimes to, you know, help your husband out in this way? Do you find it difficult to give him compliments, to affirm him, to help him maintain his confidence? Do you feel like you don't need to do that or it's not your job, it's not your role? How do you feel? Because this is going to impact your ability to do it. And I have heard from many women, many, many women, especially in my 10 years working as a psychologist, I worked with a lot of parents and of the children and the teenagers that I worked with. So I had to have to also work with their parents to figure out what's happening in the family and to just kind of counsel the whole family dynamic and Many times, many times a mother would say she doesn't respect the husband at all. She has no respect for him. And that family is pretty much doomed. If the wife doesn't respect the husband, the children won't either. The whole thing will crumble. And as a woman, especially if you're like a powered, a powerhouse woman, right? You have a business, you, you're, you're killing it. And your husband is subpar in all of those ways, you may feel like, look, I have to hold this whole family together financially. And because of that, I have to make the big decisions. I have to make the sacrifices. I have to do everything. And so I have nothing in me to give him as far as respect. You have to earn that. But that's not biblical. That's not the way that God created marriage. When the two become one, the two become one. The vows that you spoke at your wedding, if you remember them, if you don't, you might want to go back and reread them because they're serious. They're serious things that you have committed to. And one of those things is for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, no matter what the situation is, for better or for worse, for better or for worse, for better than you met him, better than you experienced. Better than you can believe for, or worse, worse than when you met him, worse than you have experienced, worse than you can imagine. For better or for worse, you're with this guy. And you're not just with him like you're just in it. You're with him to love him. Read your vows because that is serious. That is a serious commitment. And you are not holding up your end of the bargain if you drop your respect for him because things got worse, right? This is an area that you have to reflect on as a wife. It's not easy. Marriage is the hardest thing you'll probably ever have to really do in terms of your yourself and managing the way that you behave. That's where it gets tested the most. But your husband needs you and your marriage is the thing that God really does look at in terms of like who you really are. Everyone else is easy. The stranger, the neighbor, the classmate, the uncle, the little baby at the park. All those people are easy. God is looking at your heart with your husband. A woman in a single man's life can also meet this need. So it's not just married women, okay? Women who just have different men in your lives. You can also meet this need for men by recognizing a man's value and their accomplishments as a man and encouraging him in his talents and in his life work. So you can do this with your friends, with your cousins, with your uncles, your brothers, as they're talking to you about things, just encouraging them. A husband is to love and cherish his wife. A wife is to respect and honor her husband. In this way, there will be a constant meeting of each other's primary needs. One of the problems a woman may face is that her husband doesn't know he's supposed to love her in the way that we've just described. 
This is a very real problem. Even though a woman might be honoring and esteeming her husband, he might not be showing her love because he really doesn't know how. Both men and women need to understand and meet each other's needs. However, if the woman understands their needs, but her spouse doesn't, it's important that she have patience. She needs to respond to her husband according to what he knows. If I know that a person is ignorant, I can't be angry at him. Jesus is the highest model for this for us. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Luke 23, 34. The difficulty comes when you know that a person is aware of what he's supposed to do, but still doesn't do it. In this case, some kind of reproof is necessary. And this is where I always kind of come back and I ask, for those of you who have thoughts of marriage, for those of you ladies who are married, who are the people in your lives that you can go to when you have a problem with your husband? Let's say your husband does know what he's supposed to do and he refuses. And let me tell you, when I hear about this from people I know personally or people I've worked with, I have heard some of the most awful stories about husbands and what they do. And I just honestly cannot believe that a man can be treating his wife this way. I can't believe a lot of it is like just complete immaturity or just complete evil. And my question is, who do you have in your marriages that can come and speak to your husband? Is there a pastor? Is there a grandfather? Is there anyone that your husband respects enough to listen to? For some men, the answer is no one. There's no one that he respects enough to listen to. That is a reality for a lot of people. And that's when your source is God. Taking it to God. It's always best to pray about it because God, oh my goodness, God. God will do it. God will shake up that man if he has to. And if you read your Bible, God does this all the time. And he's done different levels of this. If you read the Bible and if you even just watch people's lives, he does it where sometimes a person will come talk to your husband and your husband will just for some reason be just taken aback by this particular person that they respect. It could be an athlete on a podcast talking about it. It could be a person at the grocery store. It could be a long lost friend who's reformed his life and they have lunch. And then it's like this aha moment. God can send someone. Sometimes God does things in dreams where the Lord will literally come and talk to your husband in a dream and scare the living daylights out of him. And (laughs) that behavior will change up real quick. God allows other things to happen. The Bible, he allows, and I I hope this is not for you and I don't want this for you. Let's just be clear. But in the Bible, God can kill your husband. Okay, I'm not, I'm not condoning this behavior. I'm just telling you what God has done to evil men. And this is found in the story of Abigail that we talked about, I think, in the last podcast, where her husband was a fool and he was evil and, you know, the Lord allowed him to die after he did something very foolish. And his wife was then able to marry the king, which was a really nice story in that way. But the point is, God has many, many methods. I know a man personally who is very, very awful to his wife. Absolutely horrible. And she goes to church, she prays, she does so much, and she just pours all of her energy into pleading to the Lord. And recently he got into a pretty serious car accident and God, of course, saved him from dying, but it shook him up hard and it shook up that entire household hard in a way where he is now reevaluating his behavior. God is always going to look after you and protect you as long as you come to him and you ask him for it. He's not going to violate your, your will. But if you need help with your husband, pray for him and pray for yourself and God will step in. But avoid blaming the other person. Live responsibly before God and make sure you carry out your responsibilities to your spouse. 
Trust God to teach your partner how to meet your needs. A woman needs conversation. In addition to love, a female needs conversation. She enjoys talking with others. This sounds so simple, but it is a real need based on her nature. A woman needs to have a man talk with her. Notice that I said with her, not to her, because males have a leadership mindset and sometimes their conversations with their wives amount to instructions rather than a give and take dialogue. So the man should always make a point to converse with the woman. It's not just about gifts. It's not just about trips and that kind of thing. It's about that meaningful time together. And the man can fulfill this need by just making a point to communicate. And sometimes some men are like, well, what am I going to talk to her about? I don't know what to talk about. I don't like the things that she talks about, right? (laughs) And in that case, you know, the man can just simply say, hey, babe, so what's on your mind today? And she'll usually have no problem carrying the conversation. But as he listens, he should be desiring to understand her, not change her, not change her mind, not fix the problem. Just be there to understand her. And a woman can create opportunities for conversing with her husband by developing an interest in his job, his activities, his hobbies, such as sports, music, or computers. As much as a woman needs conversation, the man needs to share his interests with her. These related needs are a natural bridge of communication between them. And let me tell you from personal experience, this is one of the best ways if you don't have a husband who's very talkative or if you just want to connect more with your husband get into his interests and if you have like let's say your husband has a job that you don't really understand let's say your husband works in tech and you know nothing about tech just google like new news on tech news today on tech biggest names in tech and then at dinner, be like, hey, babe, have you ever heard of, like, John Wilstein? And he's like, oh, duh, of course I've heard of John Wilstein. Who hasn't? And you're like, oh, so, like, what's so important about him? And he will drive that conversation. He will, And he will not want to let you go. He will want to keep you captive in that conversation because he'll be so excited that you're actually interested. And sometimes I have, like, other people in my life obviously have friends I have family members so people will sometimes like send me stuff on Instagram or text messages and I'll mention something my husband like how do you know that and I'm like uh hello you don't think I know stuff I know stuff but that's how like different we are is that when I even know anything remotely interesting he's always in shock that I know like he's like how did you know that how did you who told you that because I know you don't just know stuff like this But at the end of the day, it drives a really nice conversation. It just helps with intimacy. But oftentimes women don't want to learn about the things their husband is interested in. They don't want to take the time to have meaningful conversations. It's easier just to talk about like what needs to get done in the house, what the kids are doing. Just, I mean, let's be honest, running a household is, it's not easy. It's complicated. There's so much always happening. Like there's so many things to touch base on that, like having a meaningless conversation about sports or something is just not a priority. It's not desirable, but here's an illustration in the book. If a woman goes into the room where her man is watching his favorite sports team compete and says, I want to talk to you. He's probably going to say, okay, after they finish this play, And she'll come back in a few minutes and say, hey, babe, I want to talk to you. And he'll say, okay, after this next play. So he's saying in the book, it's better if you were to walk in and say, hey, babe, I want to talk to you, but let's watch this game first. And I want you to tell me everything about the game. And then in that way, she's gotten her husband to like, okay, like, let's, let's do this. And then once she has his full attention and the game is over, then he'll be more willing to talk. No, my husband would not go for that because he would be like, well, what do you want to talk about? That, that like whole, I want to talk to you will like shut down his desire to watch anything. And he wants to solve that problem immediately. So that would not work for me personally. My husband would not work. My husband would not go for that. But what I would probably do is just actually watch the game with him 
and then I will just bring up whatever I need to bring up after it's over and he's in a great mood. <laughs> That's a better strategy in my opinion. But if you have a husband who maybe does need to know things like that or is okay with like knowing you want to talk about something, or maybe you'll just tell him what you want to talk about. Like, hey babe, I want to talk about this weekend. I have some ideas that we can like play off of, but let's watch this game and tell me everything about the game and then we'll talk about it afterwards. So he kind of at least knows what you want to talk about. That helps. So if women can get involved with their men in their sports or in any interest they have, they can actually develop an atmosphere for conversation. Many women truly would be amazed at what would happen if they would learn to be interested in what their husbands are interested in. And I do know that some women actually tend to get kind of annoyed with their husbands because their husbands are so interested in their sports and this and that. And it's like a point of contention or frustration. So you don't even want to like egg that on or make it like more than it is. You don't want to get involved because you're annoyed with it. But let me tell you, your husband would rather spend time with you doing this. It would enrich your relationship so much. Like if you want your husband to start thinking about you a little bit differently and seeing you as not just his wife, but like a true companion, a true love, it would be really important to get involved in things like this. They really do make a difference in his mind. And it's not to say you need to be like, turning into a whole man. You know, I don't want you to do that. Be yourself. Like, don't try to like sports. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is allow him to enjoy it. Don't bust his bubble. If he's like excited that there's a game today, be like, okay, that's exciting. That's fun. And every now and then you can watch one with him and you can make him some treats. Or maybe you can just make him treats when you know there's, there's a game. I remember... I think it was when I was pregnant and I was just kind of like there. My husband would take advantage of that by having me watch his sports with him. And again, like I talked about this in the past, I ended up enjoying that time together. I would never turn on sports with myself and watch it, but I enjoyed that time together watching it with him. And I enjoyed like making little pastries and snacks and things when I knew that there was a game coming up, right? And I would even like Google, I think... When my son was born, I would Google the games and find out when there was a game because he watched every single game in the basketball season. So I would Google them and then when I knew it was game night, I would make something for him so that he would have something to eat while he watched the game. And it was just fun to do that. It's fun to get involved in that way because when your husband's doing things with you, they would rather do it with you than their friends. Because with you, they can tell you all about it. Their friends already know, but you don't. So they can they can be that guy that like knows all the stuff, right? They can tell you everything about the plays and about the players and their personal lives, what other people think about them. They're able to like, yeah, eat your food that you're making them or order food and eat together. And of course, like you're there, you're cute, you're sexy. They can also like hug up on you and touch up on you and they get like their extra feels in there too. So it's like a whole moment and they can't do that with their friends. Of course, it's still fun to like banter with their friends, but they don't get the whole thing with their friends. So if they had a pick, they'd rather do it with you, really. Um, but in that same breath, men do have a real need for recreational companionship. They actually do have a need for their friends as well. And Dr. Miles Monroe said in the book that he wishes that he could plant in the minds of women how important it is for a man to have recreational companionship. It has to do with how he's designed. Because a man was created first and has a leadership nature, he seems to have an inborn need to protect his domain or territory from threats from the outside world. He is a protector. This is why a man needs to feel as if he's always winning at life. And this need translates into a desire to win over the competition in sports or even to master a particular area of interest or expertise. It is this territorial nature that leads to his need for recreational companionship. He needs to be involved in a challenging activity and although he likes to win, he also likes to share these experiences with others. 
my husband has this like group of friends and every week they do these like exercise challenges and it's so interesting because it's gone on for like all, over a year now and they always find new exercises to do and things to do and they, they do it separately they don't even do it together which is funny it's not like they're working out together it's just they're all part of a group and they commit to doing these exercises and they talk about it and it's a whole thing but it's fun for him and he complains sometimes about some of the crazy exercises that different people come up with, but he also loves that need of like competing and exercising and accomplishing and companionship that they need, they need that. And if I was complaining about it, if I was, I don't, I'll tell you right now, I don't step on my husband's toes with anything he does. If he wants to do it, as long as it's not going to like hurt anyone, that's him. Like he can do it. I don't, I don't want any of you ladies to do that really, because it is one of the most stressful things for a man, for anyone really, to be with someone who infringes on your life in that kind of way, who tells you what you can and can't do, who complains about you doing something simple like going to the gym, you know, like everything that they do, they have to check in and they have to ask for permission. It's just so stressful. It's like living with your mother again. And we all know, all of us who have lived at home with parents who were maybe very like strict or intrusive. If you had parents who weren't, then you wouldn't understand this. But for those of you who had parents that were really strict, you know how good it felt to finally leave Imagine marrying someone and you have to experience that all over. Don't stop your husband from enjoying his recreational time. If he likes to play golf, if he likes to go fishing, if he likes to meet up with the boys to go hiking, allow him to. Now, if your husband wants to go out every night and go to the bar with his friends, that's 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 not even recreation. Like, okay, that's an addiction. If your husband's doing reckless stuff, that is different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about recreation. I'm talking about Things that they do in their leisure, for pleasure, for competition, for fun, for, you know, whatever it is that he is interested in in life. I'm not talking about bum behavior. That is that is a problem. Okay, that's a completely different situation and that is an actual problem if your husband is engaging in like immature, childish things like just hanging out all the time with their friends and drinking and smoking and doing God knows what. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actual recreational activity that adds value to their life, to their health, to their well-being as a person. Let them do it. Let that be the area that you don't say anything about. Oh, babe, I'm going to go play soccer with the boys. Okay, have fun. I'm going to make you some coffee. Whatever. Just let him do it. Oh my gosh, you're going to soccer again? Like, encourage it. Ask him, like, hey, are you going to go to soccer this weekend? He's like, oh, no, I think I need a break. Really? But you like soccer. Yeah, but I need a break. You'll find when you do it the other way that they will find reasons not to go. <laughs> You're like, get out. Go, go away. Let me have my time. I'm just kidding. No, just encourage him because it's nice for men to know that their wives are loving and accepting and open. That's a really beautiful feminine trait to have. You want him to be able to breathe in the marriage and not feel suffocated. Nothing blesses a man more than when a woman is involved in his recreation. And that is the truth. If you can work out with your husband or play golf with your husband every now and then, actually be involved if your husband is into like helping out the youth or helping the homeless or working with the church. Maybe your husband's involved in that way. Do it with him. Find a job for you to do and get involved with him. He will love you more for that. This is the area I struggle in personally because I just, I have limited time and limited interest. And my husband is a man's man. Like he's competitive. He's intense. So if I agree to do something with him, I'm putting myself through it. And I'm just like, girl, it's not easy. It's not easy to get involved in something you can care less about doing. <laughs> but I'm telling you because 
I know how important it is for me to share the truth with you about things. Whether I agree with it or whether it's hard, I it doesn't stop me from telling you because my goal is for the Lord to bless your marriage. And I believe that God has been so faithful in my life and in my marriage. It would be wrong for me to withhold information that could actually bless your life. Like that would just be wrong and selfish. So I tell you a lot of things not because I think that if you're not doing these things, you suck, but because I know if you do these things, your life will be blessed and I want you to try. And I'm not saying I always do these things that I tell you because I don't, I don't, (laughs) I really don't, but I do know it works. I do know it works. So try it out. In the book, he says, I've seen men pick up other women who participate in the recreational activity because they need the companionship. A wife may prevent this from happening if she becomes involved in her husband's interest. If a man gains a sense of accomplishment through performing music, she should become familiar with his music. Whatever he considers his form of competition or whatever he is involved in that makes him feel as if he is shaping his own environment, she should become a part of it. I've heard women say things about their husbands like, that old fool, he's always over there at the ball field playing softball. I wish he would just stop that and come home and be a husband. This attitude won't help the situation. He has a need that is being met out there on the ball field. Why else would a man spend hours on something unless he has a need that is being fulfilled through it? Instead of fighting against what brings fulfillment to the man, the woman should find out why it is important to them. Then, if it's possible, she should participate in it so that they can experience it together thus building understanding, companionship, and intimacy in their relationship. I hope that this information was helpful to you. I hope that it just helped you to gain an understanding of what you need, what he needs. And I will be continuing this conversation in the next podcast where we'll talk about sexual needs and desires because that is another element of marriage and of God's design for men and women and it it does need to be talked about so I'm excited for that because I don't find a whole lot of information on that part but it is necessary again these things are not easy to listen to and if your marriage is on the rocks if your marriage is just an area of contention then it is hard to listen to and I understand but just know that God can turn it around for you Come to God, come to Jesus, come to your Father. And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then all of this stuff is going to be nearly impossible because he's the one who renews and restores and heals marriages. You can know him right now, today. You can know Jesus and if you don't have a relationship with him, you can have one with him right now by just telling the Lord that you desire to be his daughter. You want to have a relationship with him. There is a prayer that you can pray after me or you can agree with me in prayer. And all it is saying is, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all so, so much. I thank you for your support. Please leave me a comment on my Instagram about this podcast. Leave me a message on Instagram. Feedback. I love interaction. I love to know what's working, what's not working. If these podcasts actually make a difference in your life, let me know. And you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a comment on Spotify. There's lots of ways to connect. I do desire to hear back from you, ladies. I love you so much. Share this podcast with anyone that you think might want to listen to it. And until next time, my loves, in all things you do, make a feminine impression. Bye-bye.